Well, good morning. If you take your Bibles and open them to Isaiah chapter 53, we're going to camp out in verse 6 for a little while, then we're going to move into John chapter 10. If you want to hold your place in John chapter 10 as well, we'll look at the first few verses. I'll read this verse as you look along. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. One of my favorite Bible characters is a guy by the name of King Nebuchadnezzar. You'll find him in the book of Daniel. The reason I like him so much is I can identify with King Nebuchadnezzar, not because he's a king. I can't identify with that, but I can identify with some of his tendencies. Nebuchadnezzar had to learn things the hard way. I can relate to that. Can you relate to that this morning? I can relate to that. He was a stubborn man. He was a hard-headed man, and he had to learn things the hard way. God came into Nebuchadnezzar's life in Daniel chapter 2. God gave this pagan king a vision, a dream. And there was a lot of details to that dream. I'm not going to talk about those, but there was one overarching truth that God wanted Nebuchadnezzar to know. Here it is this morning. I'm in control. That's what God wanted to communicate to Nebuchadnezzar. I am in control of everything. I'm in control of the nation of Israel. I'm in control of the pagan world. I raise up kings and I put kings down. I raise up nations and I overthrow nations. And Nebuchadnezzar, I've raised you up. I've gifted you with gifts. I've blessed you with wealth. I've given you dominion. At the end of chapter 2, Nebuchadnezzar falls on his face in front of Daniel and he says, Daniel, your God is the God of gods. You see, he hadn't quite got it yet. He needed some more help. We get it. Nebuchadnezzar gets a refresher course in chapter 3 as well on this idea that God is in control. God is in control even in the fiery furnace. But still, Nebuchadnezzar didn't quite catch it. And then in Daniel chapter 4, we find Nebuchadnezzar on the roof of his palace. And he's walking around. And he looks out over it and he says, Look at this Babylon that I have created. By my own power, and for my glory and my majesty. Right then, he heard a voice from heaven that said, Nebuchadnezzar, your kingdom is taken away from you, and I'm going to drive you out from among men, and you're going to live with the wild beasts for seven years, and you're going to eat grass like a cow. At the end of that seven years, you will know me. You will know that I give the kingdoms to who I want to give them. I raise men up. I'm in control of everything. 
Nebuchadnezzar learned a very hard lesson. Doesn't that sound a lot like you and me? I mean, I know some things about God. God has revealed some things to me. I know that he's the creator, the sustainer. I know that he's in control of everything. I know that he's raised me up for a purpose. He's raised you up for a purpose. He's gifted you. He's he's blessed you with monetary gifts. He's blessed you with prosperity. And we even hear from this very pulpit that God can even take bad situations and he can work them together for good. He's in control. But many times we walk around on the roof of our life and we say, wow, look what we have done by our own power. Even spiritually speaking, we do this. We do things for God. God has saved us. We couldn't save ourselves. God has given us his spirit to guide us. And yet we think that we can do things for God. Oh, I led someone to the Lord. Oh, I did this. I did that. Like we've done it under our own power. We can't be like Nebuchadnezzar. There's a good message this morning that I don't believe that God's going to turn any of us into cows this morning to teach us a lesson. It's a good thing. I would be the first to be turned into a cow, but I don't think God wants to do that. He wants to speak to us, though, through his word, and he wants us to see this passage in Isaiah the way he sees it. You see, Nebuchadnezzar looked at life through his own lens, through the lens of his success. He looked around at his kingdom and his glory, and he said, look what I've built. But he didn't see things the way God sees them. He didn't see God's hand in the world. This morning, we've got to see through the lens of God's eyes this text this morning because this text is meant to humble us this morning. It's intended to keep us from lofty self-thoughts. It's intended to keep us healthy and out of danger. I've entitled the message this morning, Five Marks of a Healthy Sheep. Five Marks of a Healthy Sheep. And my prayer this morning is that we will see things the way God sees them. And he wants us, he desires that we be healthy sheep, not sick sheep. So let's look at this verse together. Isaiah 53, 6 says, All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. This verse is Sheepology 101. We have to see things the way God sees them. And I want to tell you this morning that that is really the first mark of a healthy sheep. We've got to see things the way God sees them. We've got to see ourselves the way he sees us. We've got to see him the way he tells us he is. We've got to believe that and trust in that. And the first thing we learn from this passage is that we are like sheep. I know you probably hope to to get a little victory this morning in our time here. That doesn't sound very victorious. We're sheep, okay? That's what you are. That's what I am. We're sheep. We are like sheep. That's a humbling thought. But I'll tell you this morning, we, we must embrace 
this ideal. We must see things the way God sees them. If we are going to be healthy sheep, we are sheep. Listen to what Charles Spurgeon says about sheep. I'm quoting him because he can say things a lot better than I can say things. Here's what he says about sheep. He says, we are not likened to one of the more noble animals, but we are likened to a silly sheep. Sheep are dishonored by comparison here, for with all of their silliness, they've never been known to rush into the fire after having felt the flame. You will observe that the creature selected for comparison cannot live without the care and attention of a shepherd. There is no such thing as wild sheep. There could not long be sheep unless they were tended and cared for by a shepherd. The creature's happiness, its safety, its very existence depends upon a greater nurture than he can provide himself. We learn some important things in this passage here. We are like sheep. Sheep are not very courageous. They are not one of the more noble animals. You've probably seen those YouTube videos of people scaring goats and sheep and they fall over stiff. That's how God sees us, very glamorous. We would rather be seen as a lion or a bear, but God sees us as a sheep. We're not very courageous. We can't live in the wild. We're not intended to be out on our own. We're intended to be with a flock. We can't tend ourselves. And get this, we cannot live healthy without a shepherd. God has made us like that. He's made us to need the shepherd. Our life depends upon the shepherd. Second thing we see in this text about sheep is that we have a huge problem. It says that we like to stray. We like to go astray. It puts us in an interesting predicament. We need a shepherd, but we like to stray from the shepherd. That's a problem. To, to be astray means to be off the right path. We like to be off the right path. We like to be away from God. We like to be in danger. We have this propensity to, to get away from the shepherd and to be in danger. This word means to roam without purpose, without aim or fixed course, to be separated from the group. So this, this text tells us that we are people that are prone to wander off the right path. We're prone to be in danger. We're prone to stray from the very thing that protects us, the very thing that gives us life. And when we stray, it makes for a very unhealthy lifestyle. It's been interesting. I've been talking about this text over the last few weeks with some other Christians, and I said, what do you think about this idea of of us having this tendency, this propensity to wander. And and it's been interesting to hear some have actually said, oh, well, this doesn't apply to Christians after they're a believer. You see, this is a picture of, of, of what we were like before Jesus came into our life. He's the great shepherd, and I'm a sheep, and I follow the shepherd. But I want to say this. I would agree that that is a good picture of my condition before my salvation. I had no purpose I was in serious danger for my very soul. I needed a shepherd and he came to me and and now I'm a part of his flock. But don't ever think for just a moment 
that you don't wander, that you don't sin, that you don't like to stray away from the shepherd. We all have that tendency. Last week we learned that we are a new creation in Christ. There can be a new beginning. But don't ever think that some of that old life doesn't follow us into that new life. We will never arrive spiritually on this earth. Jesus never, he never promises us that. He says the last will be first and the first will be last. We never spiritually arrive here on this earth. We will only spiritually arrive when we see Christ face to face. So we have to understand that this applies to both believer and unbeliever. And Paul talks about this in Romans chapter 7. He says in verse 21, he says, I find this principle at work in me. When I want to do what's right, evil is right there with me. I delight in God's law, but there's another law at work in me, waging war on my mind. You see, we have this tendency to have this war going on inside of us and we carry a little bit of that sin nature and it wants to lead us astray. It wants to stray us from the great shepherd. We sang a hymn this morning, Come Thou Fount. Hymn writer has good theology because he emphatically says that God is the only God. He's the God of blessing. He's the great fountain of blessing. But then at the very end of that hymn, he says, Lord, I'm prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. I'm prone to leave the God I love. That's the war that we have inside of us. We know that God is the only place where we get blessed. We know that he's the only shepherd, many of us, but we still are prone to wander. Paul, the very end of this chapter in chapter 7, he says, What a wretched man am I. I am in an impossible situation. What what can I do? Who will rescue me from this body of death? You realize that we're in a difficult situation, a hopeless situation. We need a shepherd, but we have this problem of sin, and we always stray from the shepherd. Who will rescue us from this? Paul answers his own question in verse 25. He says, thanks be to God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We look into the text in Isaiah and we find out that we're like sheep that we stray. But if you continue reading, God provides a remedy for this impossible situation. And it's only found in Christ. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have every one turned to our own way. But the Lord has punished him for the iniquity of us all. You see, every one of us, because of our our waywardness, we deserve death. But God said, I will provide a lamb, the lamb of God, and he will be punished for you. He will be punished in your place. In Isaiah 53, 11, it says, my righteous servant will justify many and he will carry their iniquities. Jesus is the only reconciliation in this impossible situation. We need a shepherd, we stray, God has provided. He is our help. In Ezekiel chapter 34, God tells us that his people need a great shepherd. They're in need of a great shepherd. In 34, God is is giving judgment to the shepherds of Israel. 
And he says, you've scattered the flock. You're not protecting. You don't love them. And he goes on to prophesy about a, a shepherd that's coming. And he says this, I myself will search for my flock. I'm not like a normal shepherd. I'm the great shepherd. I will look for my flock. I will find them. They are scattered everywhere. I will rescue them. I will bring them in from all peoples of the world. I will put them in good grazing places. They will feed on good pasture. I will let them lie down. They will have rest. In verse 16 it says, I will seek the lost, bring back the strays, bandage the injured, and strengthen the weak. Jesus Christ is the answer to this dilemma. We're sheep. We need a shepherd, but we stray. We need a great shepherd. And that's what God has provided. That's what we have to believe this morning. We have to see things the way God sees them. God wants us to see the gospel this morning. That is the gospel, folks. We are sheep that have strayed. We need a shepherd. But we have sin in our life. What can reconcile us? Jesus Christ. Jesus tells us in John chapter 10, I am the gate to the sheep pen. I am the physical gate to the sheep pen. You must enter through me. He tells us, I am the great shepherd. I'm the one that was prophesied about in Ezekiel. I can lead you. I can bring you to a place where you can hear me, follow me, and know me. It's only through me. And then he goes on to say, I laid down my life for the sheep. Not only laid my life down, I took it back up so that I can effectively lead you. You see, we need a shepherd that not only took the penalty of our sin, but that can deal with us after salvation. You see, Jesus is not just our shepherd once and for all. He's our shepherd for all times. We're in a hopeless situation, and God has provided a way. If we want to be a healthy sheep, we've got to believe the gospel this morning. We've got to see things the way God sees them. Second thing, second mark of a healthy sheep, healthy sheep, listen. If you want to be a healthy sheep this morning, you have to listen to the shepherd. You see, through salvation, he has provided a way for us to be able to hear. He's opened our ears, our eyes, our heart to his truth. And he wants to guide us in all truth. We must listen to him. Listen to John chapter 10. Jesus says, The one who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. The doorkeeper opens up the door for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls them by name, and they, he leads them out of that pen. Now, Jesus is, is doing some interesting things in, in John chapter 10. I wish we could go into all of them. But he talks about several different types of shepherding. There's a type of shepherding where you live with your sheep 24-7 out in the country. There's also a type of shepherding where I leave my sheep in a sheep pen at night. It's kind of a community sheep pen. There's several people. They pay their money, leave the sheep there. And then in the morning, I go pick my sheep up. And if my sheep know me, I can walk up to that door and say, hey, sheep, come on out, and my sheep will come. Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. If you've been saved today, if Jesus is your great shepherd, he's saved you, he's been the lamb of God for you, you've entered through him. 
you have the ability to hear his voice. He wants to speak to you today. How does he speak to us? Well, he speaks to us in many ways. I want to just highlight a few of those. He speaks to us through his word. In order to listen, to be a good listener, to be a healthy sheep, we've got to listen to God and what he says in his word. We don't just read this to get factual knowledge. We read this to hear what God wants for us. He is speaking to us today. Very similar to the burning bush. Very similar to an angel coming to us. We don't need those things today because we have his word. That's how he speaks to us. He speaks to us through this book. He speaks to us through prayer. Ecclesiastes 5 says that when we draw near to God in prayer, draw near to listen rather than to speak. So many times we can't hear God in our prayer because we're too busy speaking. God, I need this, I need that. Help me with this. And we don't listen. We don't come to him and say, God, I'm a sheep. I need a shepherd. Lead me. I want to listen to what you have for me. And God will speak to you when you come to him in that way. God wants to speak to you. He wants to be in a relationship with you through prayer. And I also want to tell you, he speaks to us through other sheep. Other sheep have had more experience than we have. And they can, they can give us some good advice. He speaks to us through other people's testimonies, through their lifestyles. They can be an example of what to do and what not to do. We have to listen. And we also are to listen to our earthly shepherds. I'm going to deal with earthly shepherds in in a little bit, but we're to listen. I'm going to tell you, if there's a disconnect between you and God this morning, I want to tell you that it's sin. You're wandering. We're prone to wander. And 1 John 1, 9 says that if we confess our sin, he's faithful to cleanse us from our unrighteousness and we can open up that communication where we can hear him. But know this, healthy sheep listen to the shepherd. Healthy sheep, Mark 3, healthy sheep follow the shepherd. They follow Jesus. Verse 4 of, of John 10 says, that when he has brought us outside, he goes ahead and the sheep follow him because they recognize his voice. Do you, do you see the relationship between listening and following? We've got to be in a place to listen so we can be told where to go and how to follow. I want to tell you this. God is always ready to say one word to us. He's always ready to say go. We have a shepherd that doesn't sleep. His business is going after lost sheep. And he calls us to be a part of that mission. That's a great commission. We are called to go and to make disciples. We are called to go out and be the body, the living body of Christ, to draw others to him. He's provided us all the resources. But we have to listen and we have to follow. And I want to tell you that God wants you to follow him in two ways. One very general, one very specific. God has not left us as an orphan. It it amazes me when I talk to people sometimes. They think God is way up there and that he is not in the trenches with us. God has not left us as an orphan. 
But he has sent us the Holy Spirit, and he wants to lead us by the Spirit. In a very general way, listen to this. In Galatians 5, 6, it says, I want you to walk in the Spirit. I want you to walk in the Spirit so you don't carry out the desires of the flesh. I want you to walk in the fruits of the Spirit. In a very general way, we are called to be in a relationship with God, to listen to him and follow him. Let the Spirit guide us. What does that look like? Well, it looks like this, not carrying out the desires of the flesh and living out the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness. That's what Jesus is to us. And he just wants us to go out and live that way, in a very general way. He wants the Spirit of God working those fruits in your life. But in a very specific way, he wants to lead us. He wants to lead us to use our spiritual giftedness. Each and every person here today has been uniquely gifted by God. If that doesn't excite you, I don't know what else will. You have been uniquely gifted by God. I had a guy that I used to teach years ago in a college ministry, and he called me a few years ago, and he said, why did you never teach me about spiritual gifts? I just found out what my spiritual gift is, and I want to go out and I want to serve God with that. You never taught me about spiritual gifts. Felt really bad about that. I'm telling you this morning, you've been uniquely gifted. And you need to have that kind of excitement. God has uniquely gifted you. He's given you his Holy Spirit. He wants to work that gift. And you know what he wants to do with that gift? He wants to build up this body. This body is incomplete without you and without your giftedness. Romans chapter 12 says, Just like the body is many parts but one body, so the church is many parts. We all have different functions. It's according to the grace given us, but it's all for one purpose. It's for building up the body. It's for strengthening the sheep. That's what we're in the business of of doing. And God wants to lead you in that. You may not know what your spiritual giftedness is. If you're curious and you want to know, the leadership of this church would love to talk to you about that. Every week, if you come here and you listen to announcements, you'll hear opportunities to serve and to use your giftedness. God needs you in this place. He intends for you to use your giftedness. You've been uniquely blessed by him. You've got to listen to him and follow him. Fourth thing we must do to be a healthy sheep is that we are called to know Jesus. John chapter 10, verse 14, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. He says, I know my sheep and they know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. Again, I want to tell you that this is not just intellectual knowledge that he's calling us to. He's calling us to know him in a very deep and very intimate way. We never have to wonder if God knows us, if Jesus knows us. He says, I know my sheep. I know they need a shepherd. I know they stray, and he accepts us anyway. He loves us. He laid down his life for us. He wants to give us every good thing. He wants to stand with us in our darkest times, and he wants us to know him. To what level can we know him? Well, here it says, it says, I want... I know my sheep and they know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. 
Jesus knows the Father, and the Father knows Jesus. They are in an intimate relationship, and he's calling us to do the same thing. You know, when we read the Bible, we might get fascinated with the history and the characters and the theology, and we might get into debates over, over what's, what's being said in certain verses. But I want, I, want to, I want you to know something, that this book is first and foremost a relationship tool. It is a relationship tool to know the living God. It tells us everything we need to know about him. It tells us everything we need to know about ourselves. It tells us what the problems are in the relationship and it gives us the remedy every single time. God has given us everything we need for life and godliness in his word. We are called to know him. David knew the Lord. Listen to what he says in Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. There's nothing that I lack. There's nothing that I want. I'm not in wants. God is enough for me. God satisfies me. I don't need anything else in my life because he lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me on the right path. Why do I need anything else? That's the kind of relationship we're supposed to be in with Jesus. We don't lack anything. He is more than we need. You see the relationship side to this in verse 4. Even though I go through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil because you are with me. That's a relationship. When I, when I assess relationships in my life, you know, I always look to people that have stood by me in the darkest times. Jesus says right here, darkest time in your life, you don't have to fear because I'm with you. I'm not way up there, I'm with you. I want to be with you. I want to be in a relationship. I want you to know me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I mean, David knew the Lord so well to say, your discipline comforts me. It helps me. It gets me on the right track. Only goodness and faithfulness will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. This is not a a verse that we should just read at funerals. It's a verse that we should cling to every day. That's the kind of relationship God wants to have with us. He wants us to know him as the great shepherd and and be able to say with David, I don't need anything but Jesus. Fifth mark of a healthy sheep is that a healthy sheep listens and follows earthly shepherds. Now, I told you earlier that we have to listen to other sheep. We have to listen to other uh, earthly shepherds. That's a mark of a healthy sheep. We listen and follow our earthly shepherds. I want to tell you, this is where it kind of gets a little difficult. The message gets a little difficult. It's easy to follow Jesus. He's perfect. He's done everything in a perfect way. He's gone as far as he can go. But I want to tell you this. God, in his word, calls us to listen and follow our earthly shepherds. I want to tell you, I I struggle with this a lot of times. I struggle with this. It's easy to listen to Jesus. Sometimes it's hard to listen to other men. You need to know this about shepherds. They're not perfect. Okay, they're not perfect. They're just sheep. 
But I want to tell you this. They're sheep with a calling. And it's the highest calling that anyone can be called to. There are several titles in the Bible. Shepherd, pastor, elder, overseer. Whatever title fits uh, what you have in your mind. They are worthy of respect because they are carrying out. They are an extension of the shepherding hand of God. That's why we must listen and follow them because they are an extension of his grace. They are worthy to be followed. Scripture tells us that we are to remember uh, our leaders who have spoken the word of God to us. We are to observe their life carefully. Uh, We are to imitate their faith. We are to obey them. I know some of you have probably had bad shepherds in the past. You've had a false shepherd in the past. Let me say this. There's a way we're supposed to act with false shepherds, wolves, and sheep's clothing, and there's a way we're to act with our earthly shepherds, our good shepherds. And they're two totally different things. But a lot of times, we treat our good earthly shepherds like they're wolves. You know why? Because we like to stray from the shepherds. Not just the great shepherd, but the earthly shepherds. We've got to listen and follow them. They are a grace gift to us. They are the hands and feet. Sometimes they discipline. Sometimes we don't understand them. But if they're following God, then they're worthy to be followed. Let me give you a good way. Let me give you a good test that you can have to just that you can just go over in your mind on what a good shepherd is. A good shepherd is a sheep in sheep's clothing. They're not a wolf in sheep's clothing, okay? They're a sheep in sheep's clothing. A good shepherd is a sheep, a good sheep. They wear the garb of a sheep. They They don't try to masquerade as something else. We have to honor those people in our lives, those leaders. We've got to listen and follow them because they have, again, the greatest calling. You know how I know that's true? That the greatest sheep are the greatest shepherds? Because Jesus is the greatest sheep. He's the greatest shepherd. You see, there's a model that is laid out for us in the Bible, and it is a sheep-shepherd model. We've been hearing in in Revelation about this lamb, this lamb of God. The lion of the tribe of Judah, John turns around and he sees a lamb. And the word they use there is a baby lamb. You know what a baby lamb is? A baby lamb is a baby sheep. Jesus Christ wasn't even a a full-grown sheep. He was the greatest sheep. That's why he's the greatest shepherd. The greatest shepherds that we have are the greatest sheep. That's one way that you can train yourself to look for good shepherds. And you should listen to them and follow them because they are following after God. They are listening to him. One thing I love about this church, the reason why I'm here, if you want to know why am I at Southside, it is because we preach this word. We preach every verse of this word. Men teach it in Sunday school classes, the youth, the college, no matter where you're at, They teach this word. What that means to me is that they're willing to listen. They're willing to listen to everything, the difficult things and the easier things, and they're willing to impart that here. For that reason, we ought to 
follow them and listen to them. We are called to imitate their faith. I'll tell you, there's something in this for us. We're to listen and follow our earthly shepherds, but I want you to know in, in, in Hebrews it says we're to imitate their faith. <clears throat> what does their faith look like? Well, their faith looks like this. They're a sheep. They listen, they follow, they know Jesus, and they've become a shepherd. I want to tell you, we're called to follow that same model. You may never hold the title of shepherd. You may not be a pastor, you know, with that title in front of your name. But we are all called to to be shepherds to some extent. We are called to follow the same example. Great sheep turn out to be good shepherds because they follow that example. That example is the example of Jesus. And I want to tell you this morning, fathers, you may never hold a title, but you're called to shepherd your family. You're called to shepherd at your workplace, and you're called to shepherd here using your spiritual gifts to build up this body. Women, same thing. You're called to shepherd in your families. You're called to shepherd in your workplace. You're called to shepherd in the church. You're to use your spiritual giftedness to build, that, to build up the body. This body needs you. You may never have a, a congregation of this size. It may only be one or two people, but you are called to invest in a couple of people's lives. And we have opportunity after opportunity here at Southside. We have some immediate needs here at Southside in the children's ministry. We need a Wednesday night summer program person. We need children's workers and teachers of babies to fifth grade. We need Sunday morning preschool teachers and helpers. You know what these are? These are shepherds that are using their giftedness and they're shepherding these little children and they're following the example of Christ. We are sheep. We go astray. God has provided a way through the gospel. We can listen to him, we can follow him, we can know him. It's what God is calling us to do today. And I would ask in this time that you would listen to him. Are you listening to him?